Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. We're that HR analytics dashboard, keeping all of you busy HR and people leaders out of those messy manual spreadsheets when you're trying to report on your workforce. That's right. We've heard you. We've heard you and we've heard you complain about pulling messy spreadsheets from a lot of different systems, trying to make sense of it. You didn't get into HR to build pivot tables. You got into HR to help the workforce thrive, but you need to report and analyze and show metrics around the workforce, which you want it to be done much easier. Well, that's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. So all you need to do is connect your system, and shortly after, you can have all your data in one place to view, share, track, and analyze all that people data from one source of truth. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check it out. We'd love to do a demo so we can explore how we can help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest, so please help me welcome to the show, Jack Patton. He's the CEO and founder of Stream. And today we're going to discuss how to build and measure inclusive behavior. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Go, Jack! Thanks, Bruce. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Jack, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Well, thanks for asking. It's an interesting question. Um, my story, my origin story goes back over 20 years um, where, you know, as my career progressed, I began to take on more leadership, uh, supervisory responsibilities. And then in 2007 in particular, I was at a point in time where I just started to uh, notice some recurring themes and patterns in the you know, professional environment and world around me, specifically in the culture that I was I was working in and started to get really curious with choice architecture, the decisions we make and accountability around that. And so I started to research this, you know, this topic that that we're on now uh, back in 2007, and it just snowballed uh, from there. Awesome. And thank you for that origin story. Always like to know how people became the superhero who they are today. And so, Jack, today we're talking about what is inclusive behavior and, you know, how to build it and measure it. But the first thing I want to ask you is, what is inclusive behavior and why is it important in the first place? Yeah, it's, it's a, another great question. And so many variations on that definition. And you know, the way I think of it is just very conscious, engaged behavior that uh, creates a, you know, the sense of belonging, makes others feel welcome. It's about really being curious and aware of the world around you and learning and, of, of course, um, appreciating and acknowledging and valuing diversity and differences and others and experience and whatnot. And um, again, I just really think of it as that conscious, uh, deliberate attempt to make others uh, feel welcome like they belong. One of the things that I find when I ask professionals like yourself questions around defining terms like inclusive behavior is that sometimes the answers feel and sound very academic 
And what I find is that if we're not giving very specific examples that HR leaders, founders, business leaders, and even employees might not know exactly what we're talking about. And so if you could do me the favor and provide some concrete examples of what does inclusive behavior look like, that would be great because I find that a lot of companies will just throw things at them. Like we'll say, oh, remove unconscious bias. And then we'll just leave that up for your own interpretation. But then we get mad at the companies for not doing it, even though we're not talking apples to apples. You get what I'm saying? Indeed. And uh, again, another great point. So an example that I'll I'll draw upon here, we'll move through something that um, actually shows the, the process we take participants through in our experience where we start with awareness building and then move it so that uh, move this process along so that we're really putting theory into practice. So in that regard, the streams platform does focus on implicit biases and where they come from and individually what, you know, what they mean to, to us and, and the implicit associations we have, but also, you know, microaggressions, communication, and even how team dynamics affect the way inclusive behavior shows up personally and in the world around us. So to start with awareness and thinking about the world around uh, people, I I always like to think about how unconscious biases affect how we see and interact with the world. And so one instance with awareness and inclusive behavior is being attuned to bias and being able to build more reliable behavior to identify biases around you. So that can mean finding biased news or information or being aware of a stereotype when it shows up, Uh, certainly in the organizational design space. And and I want to be really clear about streams design and and the idea and the principle and philosophy that um, structures, systems, policies, practices, all those things absolutely have to promote equitable outcomes and that stream by itself or, you know, training in that regard is is going to be a silver bullet because um, I, I absolutely think it's not that, you know, somebody can use inclusive behavior when they become aware of what an unfair treatment or policy might be, or that they can become aware of seeing uh, favoritism or dismissive, you know, behavior when they are aware of it. And so that same thing of, you know, that same concept of being aware of the world around us also applies to us individually. So, you know, the thing um, about unconscious biases that, that we um, address and stream is to avoid making assumptions. And again, to build those reliable behaviors to practice the pause or check your instincts when you have that natural inkling inkling to interrupt or talk over someone or even dismiss them. Or, um, you know, you may have a natural tendency to speak on behalf of, you know, your in-group without their permission. So it's it's starting to then become aware of your own um, natural automatic tendencies to do certain things as it relates to people, concepts, and topics, and then continuing to move so that As you progress through this inclusive behavior, you're starting to adjust the way you're thinking about and responding to these situations. So one example is using the platinum rule where we're treating people or you're treating people the way they want to be treated. And especially for leaders, role modeling your behavior to just be more conscious and inclusive. And of course, just being more empathetic all the way to the point of 
creating positive influence around you, which is uh, ultimately the what I think of as as one of the manis, manis, manifestations. I can't say that word right now of inclusive behavior, which is helping to actively give everyone equal time and space to be heard, clarifying intent, having difficult conversations, and making sure, um, of course, that you're using affirmations, especially if, with someone of, of an out-group member and, and when they're speaking, and to be proactive about making sure that systems, structures, policies, and practices promote equitable outcomes. So that's a, a long answer, but ultimately the way I think about it, because um, you know, and, and going through this process of building awareness, um, you know, it's it's uh, I'm a firm believer in putting theory into practice, and then that idea of IntelliKey. And uh, anyways, so I, I know that's a long answer, but that's that's what comes to mind. So you said a couple of things that I would love for you to break down. One of the things you mentioned, and please correct me if I'm getting this terminology wrong, but you said that some people are speaking on behalf of their in-group? Yeah. What does that mean exactly? So so in that case, if you know our in-group is someone who, you know, we share a common connection with, it might be age, race, gender, any number of things. It, it might be that uh in that in-group situation, if we're unaware of our unconscious tendency or thought, that it's easy to automatically assume that someone in your in-group shares the same thought feeling ideology that you have. So to, to use a personal example, I am a completely random here, but I'm a, I'm a fourth generation Cubs fan. It would be really easy for me to see somebody who looks like me is my same age. And let's say they live in Wrigleyville in Chicago to automatically assume that they're a Cubs fan. When in reality, they may be a White Sox fan or some other baseball fan, or they may hate baseball altogether. But Assuming the voice of that in-group might is is that actual practice of me, assuming that like you know I share that same belief and value as the person with whom I share you know this group in these different dimensions, and just making that assumption that it's okay for me to speak on their behalf because I you know inadvertently think and believe that we share again same same values or same thoughts. So to make this as actionable as possible for our HR and people leader audience, when it comes to trying to start building and measuring inclusive behavior, what's step one? What do I do? Am I sending out a survey? Am I coming up with a business plan or a business case for this? Where do I start? It's not. It doesn't seem as simple as, oh, well, I need to start recruiting until I already have this prescriptive process. I open up a rec. I post a position, I hire, I move them through an interview stage. This seems a little bit more nuanced. So what does that look like, step one, to really get this going? I think it's starting with having an understanding from the organizational design perspective of the systems that are currently in place and understanding the challenges with the systems and where bias may exist uh, and also where those systems are promoting equitable outcomes. I, I think of uh, there's a business book uh, called The E Myth by Michael Gerber, and one of the like the, the primary concept behind that is that systems run the business and people run the systems. So in that regard, that comes to mind as a way for understanding really you know everything within the culture and how um, 
the systems and structures and policies are set up to define what's acceptable and unacceptable from the organization's perspective. And so that's the system as whole. And I really think that has to be um, in good order uh, before you can then move on to then thinking about how the individuals, so the people in the system show up um, and the way in which they they work they together, the way they think, and the way they make decisions together. Um, so that's the second piece. And, and in, in, in part with the system and the people working together, that's, that's really the vision of where uh, inclusive organizations um, can flourish and grow and continue to be you know, leaders in uh, ultimately generating you know, bottom line where you know, profits and productivity and retention are um, you know, as good as they can be, all things considered. So I, I do think the first part is really understanding systems and structures. And then um, second to that, getting into um, understanding how individuals fit within that system and structure. And once there's a clear understanding of where especially bias may exist within that system and there's work being done on that, then it seems appropriate for individuals to take a deep dive into learning more about themselves and really thinking about it from a professional development perspective and self self-growth where the individual can learn about a myriad of um, implicit associations they, they have and then get tools to know how to interrupt that implicit association bias when they're naturally inclined to experience it um, so that they can ultimately um, help to reduce the effects of those biases or tendencies, whether they're good, you know, uh, bad or, or somewhere in the middle. As I think about bias, whether it's unconscious or not, there's so much room for interpretation here. And so who or what becomes the end-all, all-knowing, unconscious bias checklist, or at least some type of template for the company, and I'm assuming it's probably going to be the HR leader figuring this out, to even know what is the list. Because by definition, depending on the race, ethnicity, gender, age, upbringing, all the different ways that this person has lived who's managing this project, they're going to have their own bias, and I'm assuming the biases that they have might be overlooked because they don't even know that it's a bias even in the first place. So how does this person and or team or the whole company even come to a place to understand what are all the types of potential bias that could exist in an organization for them to even understand if those things are happening at their company at all? Yep. Um, another great question. and. It's interesting for me to consider that. I'll go back to understanding, you know, the organizational design and, um, you know, even auditing uh, the the systems and structures of the organization uh, to to identify growth opportunities and, and gaps and places that need to be improved across the the board, um, especially with you know talent management, and from there. The other part that comes to mind is to acknowledge that uh, there's no cure for for biases and actually that, you know, to be human is to have um, unconscious biases. They just are what they are. And um, that especially in streams, approach and solution, it's 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 a very human thing Um, and they'll never be eliminated. They're never going to go away. What you can do, though, is learn how to develop more 
conscious and again, inclusive behaviors that interrupt bias when, when the individual becomes aware of it. And then the, the other thing that, that comes to mind is there are so many different types of, of bias that, that can be measured. Uh, we've taken the approach of um, doing this across 16 different intersections where uh, the way we deliver this experience, half of the implicit biases or unconscious biases that we we include are about ourselves and they include mental health, you know, even how you think about topics like therapy, marijuana, exercise. I mean, these are all things that we think about ourselves. Um, so that's one aspect. And, and how we think about ourselves, of course, affects how we see and interact with the world and, and same with other people. So then the other half of our implicit association tests do get into more demographic information, um, everything from age to um, sexuality, gender role, of course, race and, and things along those lines. So I think every organization is different. Uh, but what we have tried to do in stream is cover a cross section of these intersections, um, again, 16 in particular, that are also complemented by understanding where and how bias you know, comes from socially, historically, and culturally, plus, again, microaggressions and communications and team dynamics, so that there's more of a holistic view where the person can learn and benefit from this, both certainly in the organization and at work, but also um, outside of work, too. You know, if you're you know, getting, picking up coffee from a barista or, you know, checking out with a, a clerk at a store. I mean, bias is always with us. It's never going to go away. Uh, but what we can do are, uh, again, equip ourselves to be more conscious and inclusive with the way, that, the way we disrupt and interrupt bias when it shows up. So I think it's tough to, to pinpoint a very specific set, but um, once you have the system and structures um, and understand where bias can exist there, and then you can start to think about how um, the individual thinks of themselves and then the other people. I think those are really good starts. And at least that's the approach we've taken with Stream. That's awesome and really fascinating. Jack, we've covered a lot of ground in a very short period of time. And there's a lot of things to take in here since this is such a complex and really important thing that companies should be doing. But if there was one thing that you would want our audience to remember from all the things that we discussed today in order for them to get started and really do a good job of building and measuring inclusive behavior, what would it be? Stream equips DEI and people leaders to build and measure inclusive behaviors across a large group of people through targeted, targeted interventions that reduce the effects of bias in the workplace by uh, equipping participants to more reliably build habits and under six minutes a day. And with that comes great insight um, into how people are putting theory into practice or not. And with that comes great information that people and DEI leaders can use across, uh, again, the spectrum of um, talent management and professional development um, so that they can create a continuous improvement cycle and drive continuous improvement to continue doing the things that you know are working well, to see how values are being put into practice, to see who's walking the walk and the talk and who's not, and to take a more data-informed approach with ethical boundaries to continue putting yourself in a position to succeed, especially if you're focused on improving retention and productivity with distributed teams and you want to go more 
that you want to go way beyond check the box training. So um, it's it does take work. I mean, think of all the DEI practitioners who've been living and doing this work for a long time. Same thing with people leaders. There's no silver bullet. It's you know never a one off you know <laughs> project or initiative that will create lasting change. It requires ongoing work and attention. And um, so we, we th- I think Stream has a role to play in that. And uh, yeah, welcome um, any input and feedback along the way. Jack, this has been such an awesome interview, and I really appreciate all the time that you took to share with our audience everything about building and measuring an inclusive behavior to organization because it's such a mission-critical thing that all companies should be doing. So thank you for such an awesome Employee Cycle Podcast episode. Woo! Go Jack! Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for this awesome resource available. It's, It's tremendous, and you do a great job. All right. I appreciate that, Jack. So where can people find you and Stream online? They can go to www.stre.me. That's www.stre.me. Stream. Um, And my personal email address is jack at stream. Again, that's jack, J-A-C-K, at stre.me. Thanks so much. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all your contact info in the show notes. So for all of you listeners out there, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Jack and I did putting it together, then please leave us a five-star rating. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast, you really enjoyed this episode, but now you're hungry for more, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.